I want to share a very interesting story from Jeremiah. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, but it starts off like this. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, go to the house of the Rechabites. Let me hear you all say Rechabites. Go to the house of the Rechabites and speak to them and bring them into the house of the Lord into one of the chambers and give them wine to drink. Then, this is what Jeremiah did after he heard the word of the Lord. He said, I set before the men of the house of the Rechabites pitchers full of wine and cups. And I said unto them, drink wine. Already you're wondering what kind of message this is going to be, right? <laughs> a table full of pitchers and cups of wine. And Jeremiah, the prophet, the man of God, has these people right inside the house of God. And he says, drink wine. Okay, we're not going to go there, though, okay? Here's what happens. Here's what these sons of Rechabites, son of Rechabite, uh, Rechab, rather, the Rechabites, here's what they said. We will not drink wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father. By the way, Jonadab was, uh, the Rechabites actually were uh, not really fully Israelites. They were actually relatives to Moses through Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. But they traveled with the Israelites. And whenever the Israelites went into Canaan, they went in there with them. And uh, But the Rechabites were an interesting group of people for several hundred years. For hundreds of years, actually, they lived as nomads. They traveled around, and you're going to see this is the command that their father gave them. Their father said this, uh, and they kept this sin. Watch what happens here. Our father Rechab commanded us, saying, You shall not drink wine, you or your sons, forever. You shall not build a house. You shall not sow seed. You shall not plant a vineyard or own one. But in tents you shall dwell all your days that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. And then they said this to Jeremiah. Now, you have to understand, they're actually facing off with the prophet of the day, Jeremiah. And they're in the house of the Lord. And Jeremiah has just given them a command, drink wine. And they look right at him and they say, we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, and all that he commanded us not to drink wine all our days. We, our wives, our sons and our daughters, and so on. We have only dwelt in tents. And he said, the words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are observed. So they do not drink wine to this day. For they have obeyed their father's command. Now, here's what God was saying to Jeremiah. He said, these people for years have listened to what their father said. And they have not drunk wine. They have not sown. They have not built in the land. They have lived as nomads traveling around. They have done this for years. They're following their father's commands for years, even though this prophet came to them and told them to do something contrary, they said, no, we're not going to do it. And God says, listen to how they obeyed their father, how they're honoring their father. But my people, God says, the Israelites, he says, my people, they don't listen. I talk to them again and again, and they just don't listen to me. God chose this specific situation to teach a lesson to the Israelites. And God says this about Jonadab and the Rechabites. He says, 
Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab, your father, and kept all his commands and done according to all that he commanded you. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not lack a man to stand before me always. How many see what God is saying about these people? Now, the issue here is not wine. The issue here is not about building houses. The issue here is honoring parents. That's not my message today. I'm going to talk about something else in just a minute, which is okay, right? I can switch gears in just a few minutes here. But I want to show you something. Jonadab, and I've shared this with my own children. The message here is how one message that we get from the Rechabites is how God views honoring parents. How many think that's important to God? You know, and nowadays, especially with some of these uh, TV shows they have for kids, a lot, even, even Little Mermaid. How many ever saw Little Mermaid? You saw that Disney show, Little Mermaid? You know, in that show, the father is learning wonderful lessons from his children. Isn't that a little bit backwards, though? So many shows where you see parents are learning lessons from their children, but it should be the other way around. How many can say amen? God gives us a commandment. One of the Ten Commandments is honor. Let's read this together. You probably know it by heart. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. God gives two promises. Uh, Paul picks up on this in Ephesians chapter 6 and he says it's the first of the Ten Commandments that has a promise. In fact, it's the only one that has a promise with it that when children honor their parents, two things. Their days will be prolonged. How many want that for your children? Right? And things will go well for them. Did you ever have a day where just things weren't going too well? <laughs> I don't think you'd wish that on anybody, would you? But God says when children honor parents, and sometimes as parents we get this idea that, especially in our common society today, the idea that, well, that's just an ego trip. I want my kids to honor me. That's old-fashioned. That's just an ego trip. You know, we need to have this mutual friendship with our children. Well, there's a place maybe for friendship and, and uh, closeness and intimacy with your children, but God wants us to teach our children how to honor us as parents. Can you say amen to that? It's not an ego trip. It's that we want what's best for them. And what's best for them? Honoring parents. And these Rechabites, as interesting as that may be, how many, several hundred years, they had this commandment from their father, and they're obeying. They're still honoring parents. Even after they're dead and gone, after, for several hundred years, they're still holding on to what God, had, uh, what the, their father had taught them. And that was pleasing to God in such a way that he wanted to show this as a demonstration to Israel. Israel couldn't even keep one commandment. Uh, Moses goes up the mountain and gets the tables of stone. And what are they doing down in the valley? They're breaking all ten of them before he even gets there. How many have been there done that? <laughs> Yeah, we, we're, just, we're just like that, but God wants to teach us something important. This, this is a, just a side note here about honoring parents, but it's something I think is important. Parents, we need to teach our children to honor parents, right? How many can say amen? See, the church needs to show this as an example to the world around us, that these t- Ten Commandments actually work. They're, they've taken them out of schools or trying to take them out of every government place, but the Ten Commandments still work today. Can you say amen? amen. Hey, 
Okay. Well, that wasn't my message. That's just a side note, okay? I throw that one in for free. But um, there was something else that took place with those Rechabites, and we're going to talk about this today. It's very interesting that God chose something that challenged them. Now, Steve's a teacher. How many, any other teachers in here today? No teachers? Or someone who's taught before? Yeah, there you go. I don't know if you maybe agree with me on this, and I know I went online and I was looking at some of the comments about it, but one of the methods, at least that I found, we taught a school in San Francisco for 12 years, and uh, it was a Christian school. One of the things I found that there's a method a teacher uses to discover which students are engaged or not. Now, I'm not talking about my son's engagement, by the way. <laughs> by the way, congratulations to my son. He got engaged yesterday. That, that's kind of a side announcement. I, that's a free one, too. Yeah, I don't know how I, I'm going down rabbit holes today, so just kind of follow me. But one of the methods teachers use to discover which students are engaged or not engaged in their school lessons, might, might disagree with me on this, but I always enjoy doing it because I, I guess I have a mean streak in me. How many of you loved it when your teacher came in the room and said, pop quiz today? How many enjoy that? Okay, yeah, there's a couple, yeah. But, you know, it's any student can probably cram a lot in when they know a test is coming. But the ones that are listening all year round, you can really only catch those if you give once in a while a pop quiz. Now, there's some pros and cons to that. That's not my issue today. What I want to try to prove to you today is that God has some pop quizzes for us, whether we like it or not. But before I do that, I want to pass out some paper. Um, I want to pass out a piece of paper to each of you. I thought we'd just do a pop quiz. Is that okay? My title of my message today is Life's Pop Quizzes. How to pass them. (laughs) What happened with these Rechabites was a pop quiz. It was a challenge. God kind of knew what was going to happen, but it was a challenge for those Rechabites to be able to stand up. And I think that the real challenge, they're brought into the house of God by the prophet of the day, Jeremiah, and told, and there's witnesses there, and they're brought into a room, and they're told to do something that they were being faithful to their father, that they, that they were not going to do because they wanted to remain faithful to their, to their parents. But that pop quiz, they passed with flying colors. But I want to suggest to you today that there's some pop quizzes that God has for each one of us. Does everybody have a paper yet? Are you ready for this? It's not an open book quiz, by the way, and you can't look at your wife's paper, especially for the first question, because you'll definitely get it wrong if you copy from somebody. I can guarantee you, if you copy somebody's answer for question one, you're going to fail the first question. Okay, ready for it? Question number one, what is your name? And if you need any help with this, just raise your hand. Here we go. Number two, what's the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments? I'm going to tell you something interesting about that in just a minute here. What's the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments? Question three, what's the slogan of the Denison Foursquare Church? Question four, the key scripture of the Foursquare Gospel Church, the key scripture, the denomination of the sorry, International Church of the Foursquare Gospel, that's the denomination our church belongs to. There's a key verse. This one's a little harder now. Ready? Last, the last, this is the last one, but I have a bonus one also. Question five. You ready for this one? What was last Sunday's sermon about? That was Sunday, August 7th. 
All right? And, and, and 10 words or less, okay? Don't, don't need to write the whole sermon out. Extra bonus points. What was the sermon from the Sunday before last? Okay, in case anybody needs to see these questions again, I'll back up a minute here. Number one, what is your name? Number two, what's the fifth commandment of the ten? Number three, what's the slogan of the Denison Foursquare Church? Number four, what's the key scripture of the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel? Number five, what was last Sunday's sermon about? Bonus question. What was the sermon about from the Sunday before last? Now, if you weren't here any of those Sundays, you could put down the message you heard wherever you were at or the TV show you were watching, whatever it may have been. All right, real quick. Ready to grade them real fast? Everybody get uh, question one down? Okay, good, good. Question two. What is the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments? Don't know if you know this, but uh, the Catholic Church actually has a different order the Roman Catholic Church has a different order for the Ten Commandments. And what's uh, one of their commandments, one of the commandments we keep in there is one that they don't use. And so the fifth for them is actually the fourth. That's another story, another teaching, another time. But what is the fifth commandment? Honor your father and mother, that things may go well with you and your life may be long upon the earth. Okay. Honor your parents. What's the slogan? Anybody found it in the building? Place where hope abounds. All right. And what's the key verse? Yeah, Hebrews 13, verse 8. And what's last Sunday's sermon about? Yeah, servant. That's right, bond servant. And he was using also the story of Ruth. Story of Ruth. Where Ruth says, I will go where you go. How about the Sunday before that? <laughs> Y'all got that one? That was the Macedonian call. Um, Pastor Rod was sharing, who is calling you? All right, you can hide those papers, keep them. <laughs> Give yourself a hand for taking a good test today, huh? <laughs> All right. <laughs> How many of you love pop quizzes? Yeah, I didn't know you'd come to church and have a pop quiz also, but I believe God has little tests in life for us. He did that with the Rechabites. We just finished seeing that. And they passed that test. It's interesting that Jeremiah didn't ask them, would you like to drink wine? He said, drink wine. But their comment was, our father told us not to, and we've been honoring our parents. And God says, that's what I want to see in my people. I want to see them honor me. I want to see people that will honor me in spite of what they're told, in spite of the circumstance. There's tests God puts us in just to see what we'll do. Now, another person that went through a test was Job. You know, and Job is a unique book because in that book, we get a little bit of behind-the-scenes situation, something Job wasn't even aware of as far as I can tell. He wasn't aware that what was really taking place in the heavens is that the devil, Satan, was up there saying, uh, you know, the reason why Job fears you, God, the reason why he's walking so close to you is because you've blessed him so much. And God says, okay, take away what he owns and see if he still blesses me. I think he will. And what happens? In one day, he loses everything he owns and his own children all in one day. But what did Job say? 
Let's read this together. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. And then, shortly after that, the, the, the Lord looks at the devil and says, Have you considered my servant Job? Look how perfect he is. Look how faithful he is to walk with me. Even after you've, 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 you've got me to take away the things, and you took away all that he owns, and his children are all dead, he still praises me. He still honors me. He says, Blessed be my name. Well, Satan says, okay, all that the man has is one thing, but what about a man's health? When a man's health is taken away, he'll definitely start to curse you. Well, what happened? Job was smitten with boils and, and sores from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, and he, had, he took a piece of broken pottery and just began scraping those things for the pain and, and what he was going through. Horrible disease. I don't even know uh, what it would be like to go through something like that. But the one thing the devil didn't take away was his wife. And what did his wife say to him? Job. <laughs> That's a problem, right? <laughs> Got some wives that are laughing. Yeah, the, the, the devil knows. The devil knew how to get to Adam through his wife also, but that's another story, right? But the, his wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? Well, those are encouraging words, aren't they? I don't think we have any women that would do that in here. But what does Job say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. What does he say when she says that to him? But he said to her, let's read this together also. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? Now, I want to show you something. Job didn't understand. He didn't sin with his lips. He didn't understand maybe what was going on in the heavenlies, this thing between Satan and God, and how much God really cherished Job. You see, when God brings testings our way, has there anybody here that's had a pop quiz from God before? Have you had some pop quizzes? Maybe this past week, a few pop quizzes. Things just happen in your life, and all of a sudden, I wasn't expecting that. God does that. But he does it because he loves us. And Job didn't, may not have understood all that was going on, but he made a very interesting comment in chapter 7. Job 7, verse 17, he says, Job's making this comment to these men that are sitting down there with him. And he says, to the, he says, what is man? Job speaking to God. He says, what is man that you should exalt him? That you should set your heart upon him? I want you to think about that just for a minute. Do you believe in your heart? Do you believe that God has set his heart upon you? Sometimes we don't feel like it, do we? It's interesting. Job, through all he was going through, he lost everything. His children, his servants, his, his cattle, his farm, everything he had, he lost it all. Sitting there scraping his body for the pain he was in. And yet he says, God, why have you set your heart upon me like this? And look what he goes on to say. You set your heart upon man that you should visit him every morning. Did you know God visited you at your house this morning? You know, he was there when you got up and you said, oh, no, I got to go to church today. <laughs> Can't I just sleep in another hour, you know? Oh, I felt like that today, that's for sure. Son had me real busy yesterday doing all kinds of stuff and celebrating and crazy things. But God, you visit, Job says, Lord, you visit him every morning. And look at, look at this, and test him. 
every moment. I want you to read these verses with, with me, will you please? Verse 17 and 18. What is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him, that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment? Pop quizzes every moment from the Lord. What is man? The thing we need to ask ourselves is why does God bother? Why does he bother doing that? It's because he loves us. Do you believe that? We think sometimes, well, look how blessed that person is. They haven't gone through trials like I have. He, God must really love them. I think we got it backwards, don't we? We really get it backwards sometimes. When God takes time to strategize situations in our life, to allow us to go through specific situations, we may not understand it, but God knows why. God understands, and God has set his heart upon you. He set his heart upon me. He loves us to the point where he designs things specifically for us to test us every moment because he has purposes greater than we can ever understand. He has a plan for our life greater than what's just down here. How many of you are excited about going to heaven one day? God has plans for us. And heaven's not about just going up there and playing a harp and uh, sitting on your favorite cloud somewhere. Heaven is a government. Jesus talked to his disciples about those who are faithful over a little will be, uh, faith, will be, will receive and have to be faithful over just a little bit there. But those that are faithful in much will have greater responsibilities. There's going to be a government there. There's going to be rewards. Jesus said, he said, behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according as his work may be. You know, there's something strange in, in, in a school system, and I kind of fell, fell captive to that myself, the idea that uh, of giving awards to those that achieve. Uh, in our school, uh, we, used to, we started off giving awards for attendance and awards for this and awards for that, and then we started getting parents coming and saying, my son felt so bad he didn't get any rewards. Everything inside of me wanted to say, well, if he would have come on time, if he would have come, if he would have done his schoolwork, if he would have listened in class, if he wouldn't have caused so many problems, we'd have a reward for him too. But after a while, I started getting tired of parents complaining about our rewards we were given. We kind of just lay back and say, well, we'll give rewards to everybody. Everybody wins. That's not the way it's supposed to be, is it? It's not the way it is in God's kingdom either. Bible says, you know this part of the verse, right? Um, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But do you know the rest of it? It goes like this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, God has rewards for us in heaven. Paul says, I want to win Christ. He wasn't talking about getting saved. He was talking about living a life where he could receive a crown, where he could hear his master say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. How many want to hear those words when you get to heaven? It's worth living for. And God in his strategy and in his plans, he set his heart upon each one of us. By name. He knows us by name. He set his heart upon us and he plans things out specifically custom fit for us. That's something a teacher can't do is make a custom fit pop quiz. But God can. God can. He knows just how to do it. He knows just how to get your goats, right? He knows what goats you have. He knows just where you need to be touched. 
Job said, Lord, what is man? How much? And Job didn't understand a whole lot. This is before Calvary. This is, you know, he didn't have a church to go to to learn all these things. Job had a revelation of God, and it was limited. But even in that limited revelation, even in that limited revelation, he was able to say, God, you, you set your heart upon man, and you t- visit him every morning, and you test him every moment. What is man? Why do you spend so much? Why don't you just get rid of us and start all over again? Because he loves us. He loves us. He has a purpose for our lives. Job was convinced. In fact, later on, uh, you know, Job had his problems. Don't, we don't, don't think that Job was... Uh, was perfect in everything he went through. He had his problems. He complained. He didn't curse God like his wife told him to, but he cursed everything else. <laughs> he cursed the day he was born. He cursed his mother's womb. He cursed the day. He said everything, is, you know, it's be- you know, it would have been better if I had not even been born. He had a lot of complaints before God. He was just being honest. But he also had faith. One of the things he said is, I know that my Redeemer lives. Wow. What a revelation that was for an Old Testament man of God. Another thing he said, very interesting. He says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Oh, my. Think about that. Say that with me. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. What's the rest of it? Blessed be the name of the Lord. God has designed, custom-designed pop quizzes in life for each one of us, but it's because he loves us. There we go. You know, man by the name of Joseph, I'm just going to take you through a few people that were tested. Um, You could go through the whole, you know, why did God give us the Bible? My goodness, there's so many stories. Do you believe and do you understand that every story from the Old Testament through the New Testament, there's something that will unfold for your life. There's something that will un... One of my favorite verses is in Psalms 119, verse, I think it's 130. Uh, this, it says, Lord, the, in, the unfolding of your word gives life and light and understanding to the simple. How many simple people do we have here today? <laughs> that's the one God's, God's, that's the ones God gives under, understanding to. But it, the unfolding. And how many found in God's word that you can just keep unfolding it? Can you say amen? Or have you, have you already opened everything completely? In God's word, I haven't. It keeps on unfolding. Joseph. Beautiful story. You know most of it. We won't go through it all. But it says that Joseph was a man. He was sent, he, he was sent before the Israelites into Egypt. Joseph, he was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. He was in prison. Strange. He had dreams that he was going to be one, that he was going to be someone people would be bowing down to. He had two dreams about that didn't seem like that was working too well for him, did it? But here's the secret. In his heart, he trusted God. And in spite of his circumstances, listen to this, in spite of his circumstances, everything Joseph did prospered. In spite of being a servant in Potiphar's house, Potiphar saw the grace of God. When you and I trust God, when in spite 
of negative things that happen in spite of the test that's before us, when we trust God, there's grace that fills our life. And you know what? Other people can see that grace. Can you say amen? When they see what you and I are going through and they still see us smiling and they still see us blessing God, that's a light. It says this about Joseph. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord, and I think that's the promises. God gave Joseph promises. He had to hold on to those. Those dreams he had, he held on to those. In the very end, he went all the way through it. He kept his heart sweet. Genesis 50 when his brothers came after their father had died, the brothers came to him, and they, they were afraid Joseph was going to take vengeance on them and destroy them all. And they came fearfully and trembling to, to Joseph and said, you know, please, you know, we're so sorry for what we did to you, Joseph. But Joseph looked at them, and let's say this together, shall we? Verse 20 of Genesis 50. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. He was able to look them. I don't like that. Is it the, the dreamer? That, what's that? Is it a Disney show or uh, Prince of Dream? What is it? No, no that's, that's Moses. But another one about Joseph, dreamer. There's, one, there's a, vid, a children's video they made about Joseph, an animation. And in that animation, it's his wife that says, Joseph, don't be so upset with your brothers. They're your brothers. You still need to love them. I don't think that was, I don't think that's an accurate portrayal. I believe Joseph himself had such a sweetness inside of him. In spite of what he went through, he realized God had divine purpose. Can you say this with me? God has a purpose for my life. God has a purpose for my life. You are so special to God, so uniquely special. There's no one else like you. And God has, God in his love is able to divinely show that to you. Joseph was one. David had his experiences. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Think of what David went through. He was anointed as king. And what happened? He wasn't able to sit on that throne for several years to come, being chased like a fugitive. But he said, Lord, it's good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. You are good, and you do good. Skip through a few of these. Here's one of a simple test in the New Testament. When Jesus was about to feed the multitudes, he looked up and he saw the multitudes around them. Think about this little pop quiz that come up. It says, Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, this is recorded in all the uh, four Gospels. But John gives us a little inside story of what was really happening. I want you to read this next verse with me. Let's read this together. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? A little test just for Philip, because God knew what he himself would do. Well, there's a lot more. I could go through all these one by one. I I had had about... um, 40 different points, but I think I'll cut it short for you today. I want to, I found this on the internet, how to pass a pop quiz and see if you can relate to this today. How many want to pass God's pop quizzes? Right? Okay. All right. I thought this was interesting. Secret number one, your teacher gave you a textbook. It's a gift. Use it. Study it. 
take notes, highlight it. Does that relate to anything for us? What did God tell Joshua? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then, say it with me, and then you shall have good success. Who here, this would be another bonus point for your test if we were still taking it today, but what's Pastor Rod's favorite psalm that he knows by heart and quotes it in front of us, in front of his children? Psalm what? Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. I've heard, have you heard him quote that before? It's beautiful. It's all about getting God's word into us, memorizing it. Was it the parents that taught him that? No? He picked it up on his own? Okay. Beautiful psalm. I love it. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose leaf shall not wither, giveth forth his fruit in season, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So you want to pass pop quizzes? Get into the Word. Use the textbook your teacher gave you. There you go. Uh, David said, I love your law. And look what he says in verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Psalms 119. It's all about God's Word. Secret number two. Study with others on a regular basis. Find someone who can help you review. Help someone else review for their test. Does that sound familiar for us as Christians? How about that? Fellowship. How many can say we need each other here? Thank God for the brothers and sisters we have when we're going through our tests of life. And when you take time to help others go through their tests, God strengthens you. And many times the tests we go through are so we can help others. Can you say amen to that? It says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our assembling together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. I want to be ready when Jesus comes. How about you? No. Another verse which I think is very powerful where Peter is saying, your devil, the adversary, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We know that. Verse says, resist him, being steadfast in faith. We know that part of the verse, perhaps. But it goes on to say, resist him firm in your faith, knowing the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in, your, in the world. When we gather together as soldiers and unite together, then we can really stand against the wiles of the devil and we can resist together. We need each other. Look at the person next to you and say, I need you. Of course, if it's your husband or wife, that doesn't count. (laughs) We need each other, right? How about number three? Real simple. Don't panic. Don't be anxious. Just accept the fact that a pop quiz will happen. Now, these are things I found on the internet on how to pass pop quizzes. So, we had it in our school in San Francisco. We had a little girl. It didn't matter how much she prepared for a test. When that test came, she got so fearful of taking a test for whatever reason. She got so afraid to take that test that she would forget everything and fail it. We would sit with her, quiz her, give her questions, and talk with her. But the moment we said, okay, now you can take your test, she froze completely and failed the test. It was a real dilemma for her. I remember her name was Veronica. And it was so hard for her. Finally, we just had to do tests in a whole different way with her. We had to take her through it and not tell her it was a test. 
and then she passed. <laughs> so I don't know if that, there was other, I think that she finally grew out of that stage, but it was really strange to see someone just totally freeze up. And, you know, we do that sometimes in panic and in fear. We, we totally freeze up and we, we can miss and, and fail in some ways just because we're already so afraid. You know, one thing that Job did say, which I think is a key thing in Job chapter 3, he says, the thing that I feared has come upon me. Job had a fear in the back of his heart. There's going to be a pop quiz. There's going to be a pop quiz. There's going to be a pop quiz. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, there's going to be a, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I'll be ready. He says, what I feared came, the pop quiz came. <laughs> but he still passed it a little bit. He still passed it and learned some wonderful lessons, and God blessed him double-fold in the end. But don't panic. Prayer, thanksgiving, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. How many know you can stay up all night worrying about things that are never going to happen? Isn't that useless? Isn't that useless? Stay up all night just imagine. Isn't our brain wonderful? It can create all kinds of scenarios and ideas and situations. I mean, it's the best, uh, it's the best Hollywood movie going on in our head right at nighttime when we're trying to sleep. But what does, what does Paul say? Let's read this together. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How about number four? When the test happens, relax. Relax. Everybody take a deep breath. I'm almost finished. <laughs> relax. Stay positive. The more positive your attitude, the better you will do. And how does that relate to us? Ah, take some time. Just start through your trials. Sing. If you want to get high in Jesus, Paul says it's not about wine, is it? It's not about wine. You don't need any wine of this world to relax us. There's another way to get relaxed. What's it say? And be not drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. There's some good wine to drink, isn't it? The wine of the Spirit, new wine. Relax through your tests. Learn to praise God. And let's read this verse together, and we'll finish with this today. But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Real quickly, what are the four, four uh, secrets to passing your pop quiz? Get into your Bible. Meditate in it day and night. Fellowship. We need each other. Can't do it yourself. God didn't design us like that. He did not design us to be solo Lone Ranger Christians. He didn't. We need each other. Prayer and thanksgiving. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Don't think about what might happen before it happens. You're just waste. What's that song that says, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from it. Sunshine. For its skies may turn to gray, right? I don't borrow from tomorrow's sunshine, for their skies may turn to gray. Prayer and thanksgiving. And then when the test is actually taking place, just start singing. Paul and Silas in the prison, singing. They've been beaten. They're in chains, ready to be uh, 
martyred for Jesus, and they just start singing and worshiping and praising. Magnify God. Can you say that with me? Magnify God. I love that expression. Not that we make God bigger than he is, but we begin to see him who he really is. Can you say amen? Let's all stand. Life's pop quizzes. And I think it's, it's key. What Job said is key for us. It's not the ones that are doing so well and everything going fine for them that God has his eye on. And he has his eye on all of us. But if God has designed a specific test for you, a pop quiz just for your life, it's because he loves you. It's because, think about this, he set his heart upon you. He tests us, visits us, visits us every morning and tests us every moment. Who are we, God, that you should take that kind of time with us? Father, in Jesus' name, we just come to you today, and I'm sure we've all had experiences in failing the little pop quizzes that life brings our way. We've had our times, we've maybe taken things the wrong way, and sometimes we've even just got upset at our teacher for doing such things. But today, Lord, we're going to acknowledge that you're good in your character, in all that you are. You are good, like David said. You are good, and you do good. And everything you allow to come our way, Lord, it's because you love us. You wouldn't let anything come our way that wouldn't be a part of your plan and your purpose. And Lord, you're even able to take our mistakes, situations where we've stepped out into the wrong things, and maybe it's discipline that we're receiving. Maybe we're being chastened. But Lord, whom the Lord loves, you said whom the Lord loves, he chastens and disciplines. So even that, even your correction is love. And we thank you for that today, Lord. Father, I pray for anyone here that's going through a specific test today, Lord, situations in their life. Today, Lord, help them to just draw near to you. Let them find new things unfolding in your word that they can relate to their life, Lord. Let them find, Lord, a fellowship with others that they can be strengthened and encouraged. They can begin to see that you're using this for them to be able to minister and bless others. Lord, that they would learn to trust you, not be afraid for tomorrow, but to give you thanks and not to be anxious. And Lord, that they would learn just to sing, getting high in the spirits, filled with the spirit, drunken on new wine, where they can find a time of relaxing in your presence like never before, Lord. Even in the midst of the storm, we will praise you, Lord. Thank you for the people here at Denison Foursquare. Thank you for Pastor Rod. Thank you for the, 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 the sheep that he's been tending and the beautiful things that have been imprinted upon their lives. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that they can be a light to others. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Man, God bless you all.